on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I'll say this to anybody out there that's listening. If you have an employee that fails, you're 50% responsible. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Tony Barlow here on the King stage. My brother, Tony, how you doing? Doing wonderful. Another great day in Phoenix. That's right. We were just talking about this off air. You know, I'm hoping to maybe come to Phoenix soon with my family. I've never been, but I hear this time of the year, it's a little bit warmer than Kansas City. So why not, right? Yeah, you can't beat it. I mean, 50s and 60s, sunny. That's right. That's I mean, right. it's great. You know, it's funny. I have, I was telling you, I have a, I have a good buddy and, and a team member, Gathering the Kings team member that lives in Phoenix. And it was, he's from Kansas City, generally speaking. And so when he was there for his first year, he was like, you know, Chaz is 60 degrees outside and I find myself with a jacket on. I know that sounds a little bit, maybe, uh, you know, like 60 degrees here would be like, wow, that's like pretty nice and warm. He's like, but when you think about it, you know, in Kansas City, you'll go from like a high in the summer of like maybe 90 to 100 and it drops down to 30, that's cold. You put a jacket on, 60 degrees difference. He's like, well, here, it'll get 120, 125. And so when it drops down to 60, it's a 60 degree difference. I'll put a jacket on. I'm like, well, when you say it like that, it kind of makes sense. Would you say, <laughs> Do you agree? I, I totally agree. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, the swings uh, that happen. I, I saw earlier this winter that there was 78 degree swing in Nebraska one day, in one day. Yeah. From the low to the high. And I'm like, that's just, yeah, just crazy. Pretty nuts. Yeah. I've got family in Nebraska. So I, I, I know, I know about that. That's, that's where a lot of, a lot of your beef comes from (laughs) beef and corn. So anyway, well, Tony, I just really appreciate you being here. And I want to, want to, you've got a lot of stuff going on, really cool things, projects and stuff that you're working on. I want to be able to get to it. So tell us what kind of businesses or maybe projects that you're working on. Well, first of all, I want to frame it. EpiHab is short for Epilepsy Habilitation. We're a 65-year-old nonprofit that provides employment to challenged adults. It's a pretty amazing thing. And we just provide services that people have to do by hand. That, you know, everybody talks about automation, but there are some things you just can't automate, right? So we're not a small organization. We're a $3 million a year company. Um, I have 47 employees. And, and we're growing and we're constantly offering new products and services. And we are the answer for entrepreneurs. That's kind of really where, where it fits in. Yeah. I'm, I'm not relatively new to being the president. I've, I've only been the president for just under two years. Okay. In my previous career, I spent 30 years in executive leadership um, selling digital, well, basically being in charge of teams that sold digital <laughs> printing equipment. So I worked for Xerox, I worked for Canon, I worked for Konica Minolta. In my last job at Konica Minolta, I was in charge of a specific division for the Western US and I had over 200 salespeople. Wow. So yeah. pretty big yeah. responsibilities. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love, I love that you're clear on, on your mission, you know, not only to help the people that you're helping employ, but then also on the backside to help entrepreneurs kind of bridge that gap. So I want to learn more about that. Before I do, let, I want to ask you the same question that I ask everybody right at the beginning, right off the top mm -hmm. here is why are you doing this? And so as your, as your path to entrepreneurship has maybe been a little bit different than someone who maybe started the company, you've still found yourself in a position where you're, you're leading an organization and you're doing incredible things as the president. So I, why, like, why are you still at this level? Why are you pushing so hard? What's the bigger picture for you? Wow. Pretty amazing. I guess I had to think about this for a while. Back in, in 2017, my mom, my wife had lost her mom and then lost her dad. Wow. And we were having one of those late night conversations where, you know, all I can say is she's like, we're laying in bed, we're talking, and she was in the zone. She was just in it. She was contemplating life, contemplating her existence. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. relationships, spirituality. I mean, you name it, right? Yeah. And she asked me a question that to, to this day is still probably the most important question I've ever been asked. She said, honey, I, I know this is not going to happen tonight, but if you were to die tonight, in your sleep, what would be your three biggest regrets? Oh. And two of them are very personal and I will not get into them. But one of them was that I had never finished my degree. Mm. That I had started out at high school, into college, I'd worked my way through. We moved to Arizona when I was a senior in college. I had 90 credits, you need 120 to graduate. Right. And, and life got in the way. Yeah. You know, we new career, new marriage. We had a baby. My right. son at three was diagnosed with autism, you know, job changes and life just got in the way. Yeah. And so as I was talking to her and she said, well, if that's your biggest regret, why haven't you gone back? And I gave her every excuse in the book uh-huh as we all and do. you know you know how women can just see right through you oh yeah just straight bs meter yep. ding 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 you know she, she said the most piercing word she says honey i love you but that's you stopping you and the man i married never quit a day in his life whoa and she said Very powerful if you want to go back. And if it means that much to you, I'll do what I need to, su to support you, to help you. And, um, but make it happen. Yeah. So I did. So literally I started down this journey and the next thing, you know, I had 80 credits transfer out of 90 from 20 years ago, <laughs> to grand Canyon university. That's awesome. And I was, and I was on a, a less than two year plan to graduate. Yeah. And when I, when I took it, I knew that Grand Canyon was a Christian school, but I didn't know details. I really didn't know yeah. that it was formed by the Southern Baptists. And I, I didn't know that there was a Christian emphasis in, in every aspect of the education. And all I can say is, is in those two years, it transformed me personally, it wow. transformed me, me professionally, and it transformed me spiritually. And I'd always worked for companies and thought I was doing the good. But 
going through that experience actually made me realize that what I was doing, even though I love that career, wasn't fulfilling my purpose. Yeah. And the door opened and I came here to Epihab and the rest has just been history. Yeah. I mean, first off, thank you for sharing that. What, what an incredible moment between you and your wife. I would encourage the listener, not only just the questions that she asked you, I think that we should all ask ourselves that question. But in addition to that, what, what an encouraging way to do it with your spouse in a, in a safe place. And of course, you know, some people have a strategic partners or even a mastermind group that they can do the same thing with. But when, when you have ideally the closest person in your life, being able to support you in that way, I don't know about you, Tony, but I'll run through days and days of walls, just wall after wall after wall. If I know my wife is, is, uh, is standing on the side going, let's go champ, you know? So, so, so I say all that to say, thank you for sharing. Number two is, so you're here, you're fulfilling your purpose. It dramatically changed you. So what, what is the purpose that you're fulfilling? So Epihab provides employment to challenged adults and it's been here 65 years. I'm the first president in 65 years that actually has a challenged adult. I have a 27-year-old son, Matthew, who's high-functioning with autism, who works here. And when I started, Epihab had had some really tough years, and they were 18 months away from going out of business. Wow. And all I can say is, is that there have been times in my life with the situation with my son, and he's our only child where my wife and I have looked at each other and said, why us? And yeah. I know that God doesn't give you more than you can handle, but why does yeah. he trust us so much? And, you know, just why us, right? And the day I got the phone call about this opportunity, I just had became aware that he had been preparing me for this my whole life. Yeah. And so, um, since the time I've got here, we've gone from a $900,000 a year revenue to 3 million. We've gone from 18 employees to 47. And we're just on a path that I couldn't imagine, but that I knew was coming. And that is bigger than what, than what I can imagine and, and what I know God has in store. And so every day I see a miracle here, I see something every day and it just fills my heart with joy. It fills my, my spirit with faith. Yeah. And no matter what comes our way, I know we're going to get through it. And even if a door closes, another one is going to open. That's even bigger and better than what I thought the other one was. Yeah. And yeah. so that's where we are. I just appreciate the, just the vulnerability there. I mean, I think that the, it's encouraging to hear number one, but it's just real. So it's just straight from the heart. And I, I appreciate that perspective. Let's get into, let's get into some nitty gritty. You know, you said you, you know, had kind of bounced around a little bit. You, you end up getting your, your career or your, your, your degree. And then this opportunity came. So tell us kind of why this opportunity came. Why did you decide to take it? Tell us about that first, maybe transition of a couple of months how did you and, and leading this company come to be? Well, it's amazing when plans start falling into place. 
Right. I had told my wife that, you know, that after, after getting my degree, I didn't feel that the company that I was in was a good fit for me morally and spiritually. And that no matter what I was doing, I was helping some people, but that it just, I was just a number yeah. and that there was going to be no way for me to achieve my potential. Yeah, I think and every so, entrepreneur listening can relate to that exact thing right there and go, okay, there's got to be something more. Keep going. Right. And so long story short, I'll, I'll tell you, it's amazing how it fell into place. I have a really good friend who had taken a new job with the Printing Industry Association of Arizona and Southern California. And remember, I was in kind of the same thing, selling digital printing equipment. Right. And she had been asked to be a board member here at Epihab. It's a nonprofit board. Yeah. And she was going to take a tour. And I had called her and said, hey, let's meet for lunch. It's been a while since we caught up. Da, 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 da. And she goes, well, I'm going to be taking a tour at Epihab. We can go after. And then she goes, have you ever been to Epihab? And I said, no. She goes, well, you know, with your son, you should you should come on the tour with me. So I came on the tour. I didn't know what we did. Never even knew this place existed. Saw it and was very inspired. And then about a week later, she called me up crying and said, Tony, my job just expanded my territory from four states to 11. I'm not going to be able to be a board member, but I don't want to let them down. Can you take my place? Mm. And I, I'm like, okay, yes. Yeah. So I, I, I went to my first board meeting and just being the naturally inquisitive let's get to the bottom of things guy that I was. Yep. yep. I Problem asked solving. some questions of the, the president that was the current president at that time. And I uncovered a lot of things why Epihab was in a downward spiral that board members had been trying to figure out for two years and they couldn't get the answers. Wow. And that afternoon, I got a phone call from the CEO of the chairman of the board, who I've known for 20 years. And she said, I don't know what you did. She says, but I've received multiple calls from the board members and they want you to step in and take over. And she says, what do you say to that? And I said, you can't, you can't afford me. You're a nonprofit. Uh -huh. <laughs> and she said, Tony, I've known you for 20 years. Don't tell me what you're worth. Tell me what you need. Yeah. Be very transparent. Yeah. And if there's a way that we can work it out, we want to make it work it out. And that's how I got here. Wow. And in the first few months, I realized that the facilities had been neglected for 12 years. Yeah. That people that are supposed to be the people we're serving as a nonprofit right. were, tr were treated less than. Yeah. And and it lit a fire in me that was like not on my watch. Yeah. And it has been a transformation. Papa Bear has arrived. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, you know, it's winning, right? Like at the end of the day, every entrepreneur, when faced with a challenge, it's like, okay, hey, look, like it's going to be difficult, right? Like you didn't walk in thinking this was going to be cake, but. But you said it lit a fire. And I think that that's the passion or the burning desire that we all have as entrepreneurs to be able to get after it and, and ultimately win, right? That's what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what the game is about. For you, you just, you just get to win in a couple of different ways. You get to help 
you know, not only the, the nonprofit perspective, but then, then the ending result of the client that you're actually ultimately serving. So I just appreciate that, that excitement around that. Well, it's kind of interesting. Epihab is a self-sufficient nonprofit. That means that we don't require donations to keep the doors open. We charge for the work that we do. We pay the people a fair wage. We pay benefits, you know, vacation time, sick time, you know, all these things. And for most people, it's their first job. But we help them be able to gain confidence and skills. And if they want to stay here, I have people that have been here 20 plus years. I have other people that have been here two or three years and they move on. Now they work at the Amazon warehouse and they're making three or $4 an hour more. They're getting tuition reimbursement, you know, all this other benefits. And it's all win-wins for us. But the biggest thing is I found that, that if I take care of the customers and I, I really take an interest in their business, not just their project or what it is that they want. Yeah. That consultative approach has, has lit a fire in Epihab's trajection. Yeah. I have, a, I have an example of that. I had a, a startup company that is well-funded. They're 25% owned by Dignity Health Corp. Okay. So they're, they're not, you know, a, yeah. a, a poor startup. Okay. Right. And they have patents on and have developed an oral hygiene kit for people that are in the intensive care unit. And I didn't know that this was an issue until I started working with them, but that um, the number one cause of death in the ICU is from respiratory infection from bacteria Mm. that comes from being on a respirator and not having proper oral hygiene and and this. And so if if you can impact that, you can cut the death rate dramatically. Pretty quickly. And so they had their prototype of their electric or battery operated toothbrush handle. They had their prototype of the toothbrush and they had, you know, their, their antimicrobial toothpaste and their mouthwash and and they had all the individual components. They wanted us to make the kits. They wanted us to assemble the product, put it in the packaging, label the packaging. They were working with different companies to, design and print the labels that would go on the outside of the packaging and that would go on the case packs. Sure. Also the instructions for use guide that would be in the kit. Yeah. And, and because of my printing background, we opened up an in-house print shop here. Of course. And so now I started consulting with him saying, well, let's work with your designer. Let's do this. Let's do this. And we ended up handling the printing of all their labels, the printing of their use guide in a way that cut their costs three times over what they had anticipated it would be based on what they were finding on the outside. Yeah. We looked at ways at automating their processes and they just did their first million dollar order and they're expecting a $3 million order in the next two to three months. Yeah. And it was all done and kitted by Epihab. And what was so great about it is they were so happy with the job and, and the quality of work and everything that we did and the timeliness of what we did that they, ne- they needed to make sure that they, as well as us, were an FDA approved facility. Sure. They paid our $7,000 
FDA membership, submitted the application, and now we're an FDA approved facility. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, when you when you provide value, just for the listener here, when you pay attention, when you provide value over and above, it, it is so easy to then get an exchange going back and forth. And that sounds like super simple. But what 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 we're talking about here, what Tony just did with this client is that almost almost like subconsciously or almost just out of just the routine of just who he is and how they're running this business, they looked at someone in a situation, solved some problems, and it it, it created so much value, not only just from the from a non-perspective, like or from a, a nonprofit perspective as a business owner, there are things that we package and I'm going, well, if I can use this company as opposed to some like, yes, that makes perfect sense. But and on top of that, then you're going to provide all this extra value. So I'm just making this point for the listeners that when you look for ways to not just serve, to do the things that you said you're going to do, but all the other things that when you come back to your client or when you, you know, make a referral or when you connect somebody or whatever it is that you're doing with this type of person, client, team member, whoever it is that you're dealing with, and you look to just add value. It, is, it, it will never return void to you. Would you agree with that, Tony? Oh, it, it, it's been amazing. When I got here, one of the things I uncovered was they had about a 20% success rate before I got here from when they make a quote to getting the job, Okay, about okay. 20%. So that means okay. 80% of the quotes that they did, they didn't get the job didn't for. Didn't win, yep. Okay, I, I, I restructured how we would do quotes and if somebody is a local company, I won't give them the quote unless they come and take a tour. Love it. Okay. And for anybody who takes a tour, I have a 90% success rate oh, yeah. of winning the business. Right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it is. It's like seeing the big picture, trying to help them, trying to solve problems, getting them to buy in. And, and like you said, I've said to them, said to so many customers, look, what's your budget or what's a competitive proposal? And they're like, well, I don't want to share it. And I go, well, you don't understand. I may be a corporation. I may be a company, but my purpose is to hire people with disabilities. Yeah. So the real question is, do you want to do work with us? Do you believe in that mission or don't you? Because yeah. if you do, let's figure it out together. Yeah, exactly. And we'll and we'll work through it. Yep. And and that's how the revenues have just gone through the roof. Yeah, you're aligning with something bigger than the actual problem that they have, which I think is still applicable. And I'm going to ask you a question about this here in a second. But for the listener to be able to roll this into what they're doing, so I'm going to ask you for some advice. But in essence, you you've made it more than just the X's and the O's, more than just the I want to come repair your HVAC system, or I want to, you know. I want to build you a website, whatever the services that the business is offering, right? You're mm -hmm. aligning over here, whether that be with core values, whether that be with your mission statement, whether that be with how you do life. And then because you agree and you're in alignment, it just makes sense to do business together. Let's just work that piece of it out. What would you say to the person listening right now? Who's like, okay, this makes sense, but I don't, I don't have a nonprofit. I can't ask someone to align with me on hiring disabled adults. What, what do they need to do in order to have this, this, this play to run? The first thing is they need to make sure that they're networked with the right group of people. Okay. And what I, what I mean by that is that a lot of times we associate with people that maybe we don't think 
or agree with their values, right? Or we don't agree with the way they run their business or we you know, morally they're or or faithfully they're not in the same place that you are. I would tell you that when you you always want to work to expand your network, but you want to expand your network the right way with the right people with the right goals and the right values. And that yeah. when you do that, doors open. Yeah. And the thing the thing that I would say also would be try to find try to find peers that also support that the the your your way of 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 business your way of of communicating with the customer your way of solving problems and when you and and help people even if it doesn't help you yeah and then it will come back yeah so good i think the listener should hit pause Go back two minutes and listen to the last two minutes again and again. You know, Tony, I'm going to give a super practical, um, you know, answer here to to the listener because I think it it makes a lot of sense because we're literally on it. Like this is the podcast that you're talking about for me. This is what I've done with the podcast. You know, I initially started gathering the Kings Mastermind Group. It's a seven, eight, and nine figure business owner group, peer to peer, and so everything that you just said happens inside of that, which is great. But what about the people that don't qualify? Well, when people reach out, we say, hey, look, we've got a great podcast. And we've done 200 and plus, you know, 230 episodes last year. We'll probably do over 300 this year. And you know what? I've just, I just wanted to give to those that maybe couldn't get into the group. But then on top of that, kind of underneath that, somewhat selfishly, I get to expand my network with guys like you of maybe we do something strategic together. Maybe we don't. I've had people from the show join, join the mastermind group. I've had people where I've literally flown to see them and have lunch. Like you name it. You just don't know until you give to your point, you just do it out of the point of value. I've had some, several people say, well, so like, what's, what's in the show for you? I'm like meeting people like you. And I don't know where that's going to go. Maybe I fly to Phoenix and we do a tour and you guys package all of our welcome boxes for our gathering the Kings new members, you know, but but I would not have known that unless we invited you on the show or unless we connected, you know? So like to your point, Tony, I think that this is right here. We're living in the example for me of like, wow, this is just shake some hands, add some value and things happen. What would you add? Well, I, I, number one, we want your business. So that's <laughs> going to happen. That's already, you know, but what, what I would say is, is that if you don't ask the question, the answer is no. Yeah. So you have to put yourself out there. You can't sit back and wait for things to happen. You have to constantly be looking at what is the next move. And I, and I, I don't know. When I look at business, I go, business isn't checkers. Business is chess. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so it's not just make a move, react. Make a move, react like in checkers. It's strategic. It's yeah. well thought out. It's okay. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this group. And so, uh, you know, you sit there and you said, like, you have a real estate or you have a construction or you have, you know, different groups, right? Well, I'd look and say, okay, well, what's the peer group of those people, right? Well, but what about all the support people that support that? So it's in real estate. It's not just about the real estate agents or the, the brokers. What, what about the mortgage lenders? What about the title companies? What about all the other people that are part of the process? Yeah. So you want to embrace all of them. And, and, and you want to be able to, to always handle your business completely. Don't, don't, don't do something 
three quarters of the way. Don't have your toe in the water. Yeah. You want to give every one of those people, if you have an opportunity to work with them, yeah. you want to exceed their expectations. And when you do that, then they refer you to people and then the network just grows. And it's just this big revolving domino effect that just, yeah. it grows exponentially. Yeah. What you, what you just said, I'll put a little cap on this. And we'll move on. But when you see the people, not only the person that you're serving, but then the other people that help support or serve that person also, and you start giving them value, really what you're doing really at the, the core of it is that you see people and you're building relationships. And when you do that genuinely without asking for anything first, like you said, it's valuable because most people just don't, they don't take the time. And so it's automatically going to be valuable because it's limited that not to, not many people do it like this. And so when you're just putting yourself out there, whether it's on a podcast or whether you're meeting new people, having them come to your business for a tour, whatever it is that you picked up from this last five minute, 10 minute conversation, it is about adding value specifically to relationships, even more so to people who align with you and the way that you do business or the way that you do faith or business or whatever. And and then go after those people. And, and inevitably, you're going to align and you're going to do deals together. That's how things grow. Would you add anything to that before we move on? I would say that you wrapped it up very well. And it's not easy to do. To, yeah, to me, over my career, it has developed and grown and become second nature. But it wasn't always like that. I would say that this is an example of servant leadership. Yeah. And before I went to Grand Canyon University, I didn't even know the word servant leadership. I, I was a I was a player coach. I, I wasn't a servant leader and I was doing it for my own glory and for my own benefit and to get my own financial rewards. Yeah. And I realized going through the experience that when you serve and you lead by example, you naturally inspire other people to want to follow you. That's right. Yeah, so good. Hope the listeners paying attention. I want to get practical with you here. Once you took over this incredible organization and you guys have been growing, I want to know of a good decision that you made. You've kind of already hinted at a few, but let's see what you say here. A decision that's led to success, a lot of your momentum today. What is it? Um, well, I can look back and I can think on some great decisions in my career. One of the decisions of my career is I was a, I was a management trainee at Nestle Corporation. Okay. And I had moved from California to Phoenix, and that's how I got here. Okay. And I was young in my career. And I would say that I was arrogant. I was overconfident. And that that was offensive to some people. Yep. And I guess I would say that I had to learn that there is a balance between confidence and humility. Yeah. And that, again, I made a choice that I was going to leave that interest industry and I was going to go into something else. And I took the chance. And that, that was one of the best decisions I ever did because that started a 30-year career in the digital printing yeah. sales organization. So that making that leap was a really big thing. Yeah. Here at Epihab, my biggest thing was to say, you can't do it all at once. I was really impatient because I saw that we were, you know, on the downhill spiral. We were, yeah. we were spiraling. The rope. And, right, right. 
And, and when the house is on fire, you don't talk about what the tactics of the firefighting group are going to be. You put out the fire, yeah, right? You just, you just start and so, so I worked in the business, in the business, in that first year. And I made the strategic decision. And that's probably the best decision I made. I got the right people in place. You know, we got the right processes and we got, you know, fix the buildings and we got, you know, all these different things in place. And I, I, took the management team in and I said, okay, guys, it's time for me to start working on the business. No more of me in the business. And that's going to be more for you guys, but I'm giving you the creative freedom and the autonomy to make decisions and do this. And yeah. people had, had never had that before. Yeah. And they rose to the occasion. I love it. And I have been able then that, I mean, that's really what's allowed me to propel to spend more time with the clients, to go to their locations, have them come here. I'm now doing two two tours a day minimum. Yeah. And, and a tour takes 90 minutes. So there's three and a half hours out of my day that I, I couldn't have done in the very beginning if, right. because I was putting out the fires. Yeah, exactly. So I, it, the, big, the best decision I would say I've made here at Epihab is to start, is to transition to, to Give people authority, training, responsibility, but also give them the freedom to make mistakes. Yeah, it's huge. And 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 we it's driven everything that we are in the last six, eight months that we have propelled has been a, a result of that. Yeah. I love how you knew, you know, <clears throat> first off that there was working in versus working on. And I think that this is a a, a fairly common thing that we talk about in business, but not everybody understands fully what that means. And so I think you gave a great description of getting in fire, you know, firefighting, very reactionary, fixing things, putting in process, like you kind of got to be in the daily grind or and in King language, we, we say the, you know, the warrior stage, like, you know, you're literally in the battle, you're slaying, slaying mm -hmm. the enemy, you got blood on your sword type of a thing. But then there comes a point where you have to rise above, not necessarily that you become better than that, but because your vantage point needs to be different. You need to be able to see things and orchestrate things differently, which again, you gave that, that, that example as well, even just being able to take the tours, which then helps grow the, the business and ultimately serves the people inside the organization who you're trying to help with then obviously then serves the, the client at the end. So you've got a, a well-oiled machine that's prepared for growth. So I just appreciate you sharing that. What about a bad decision? Something that you did that just is like, oh no. And that be have trying to think. God, I make mistakes every day. That's really hard to say. But <laughs> but the, some of the bad decisions, or I would say the biggest bad decision that I made was that as we pivot and as we change and grow and develop, we're going to be serving many different types of adults with different kinds of disabilities, okay? Yeah. And that some of the staff here I just thought because they'd been here 20 years and that they dealt with that, that they would know how to do that. Right. Right. And I just assumed that that was a bad decision. I realized that I have to um, really truly lead by example and yeah. not be afraid to say, Hey, look, I I'm not sure if you have any experience with this, but this is where we're going. Talk to me about, tell me about it. And I found out that there were four or five people that don't have disabilities here that part of the reason they work here is they may have a, a grandson 
with autism, or they may have a sister that had epilepsy. So th there's this connection there, yeah. but that they never had any formal training right. on, on how to, how to work with people and, and what to do. And so, yeah, I had to realize I had to step back and not just assume, and that yeah. I really had to dive in. And I, I, and, and I guess the simplest thing was, and I'll say this to anybody out there that's listening, if you have an employee that fails, you're 50% responsible. They may not have the right work ethic. They may not have the right training. They may not have the right attitude. But if you don't dive in to uncover what it is yeah. and do, then serve them as a servant leader and do everything you can to try and help them learn what they need to know. That's right. Then you're responsible. Yep. Yeah, this is this is a real deal. So for the listener here, I hope that you're paying attention because you just dropped a huge dump truck of, of value and information. And I'm going to dissect this and Tony can help me. But when you serve from a servant heart or servant leader perspective, which means that you you lead from the front, you're you don't necessarily have to be in the nitty gritty, but that you're you're serving them as if you could be right there in the nitty gritty doing with it. Uh, and most servant leaders have no problems getting dirty. It doesn't mean that we get dirty every single day or even all day long. It just means that we're willing to. I've I've cleaned every single toilet in every single business I've ever owned. Okay, mm -hmm. so in that position, you have this burning desire to serve. Okay, so fine. This person needs help. They're not performing. Well, first off, let's figure out how they're not performing, why they're not performing, like what are the metrics, where are they falling short? So what are the actual tactical things that they need? And maybe they need maybe some additional, some inspiration, some motivation, some coaching, some communication skills, some other things outside of just tactically here, here's the XYZ. And then now as a leader, just like Tony just said, it's now your responsibility to level them up. And when you do this, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, from your perspective, but when you do this as a leader, when you give, when you put it out on the field, as you say, no, don't leave anything out as far as serving, then when it, when it truly actually becomes down to the line where it is no longer a good fit, you can say with certainty that like, it's, it's not a good fit for them either. It's not a good fit for us. It's not a good fit for you because I, I, I literally gave it all to you and we're still not being able to kind of align here. And so it's okay. In fact, I need to serve you now and help you find something else because I can't imagine that you're happy here because I've helped you do everything I possibly can. And we've left it all out on the field per se. And, and it's still not a good fit. So I just think that whether you're trying to, you know, like actually lead someone to where it's not a good fit or not, it's not necessarily the point. The point is, is that before that ever comes to a conversation, you're looking to serve them and help them level up time and time again before that ever even becomes a conversation. Would you add anything to that, Tony? Yeah, I would. I would say that in, in, in the way that I practice servant leadership is I serve for the sake of serving not for anything for me. Yeah. Right. And that when, when people look and say, well, why are you doing that? And I go, well, they needed it or right. it was the right thing to do. And that's all that I say. Yeah. It inspires other people around to that's start right. to want to, to be that way. Right. Yep. But what I, what I would say is, is that I've actually had several people that we hired that I thought were going to be great fits and, and they just weren't. And there's one that sticks out incredibly. I sat down with them. I said, okay, forget about Epihab. 
what is your passion? Right. And it was gaming. Okay. So he, he was interested in playing games and evaluating games. He wanted to be a coder. And so I realized that this was just boring for him because it wasn't his passion. Yeah. So no matter what I, no matter what I did, it was never going to be a good fit. Yeah, that's right. One of my clients is Activision. That's awesome. And so I had a talk with him and said, hey, look, I might be able to open up a door for you. It doesn't mean that I don't want you here, but I want you to, I want you to live your dream. I want you to live, find your passion. I want you to be happy every day. Yeah. And, you know, whether, whether something came of it or not, he's no longer with us, but he, he, he at least saw somebody try to help him get his dream, help him achieve his passion. That's right. Yeah. Such a great example. And I think that it, it, it's an open-handed approach, right? To it, it's not like he was yours to begin with. Right. So we, if we don't hold on to either people or money or process, whatever it is that we think that's ours, we hold on to it tight. Don't let it go. You know, if I teach them too much, they'll, they'll become my competitor or whatever the mindset is. It's an open-handed approach of like, while I have you, it's my responsibility to serve you. And then eventually you're probably going to move on. So I just love that perspective. Let's go into our speed round here. I want to ask you a KPI question. The way I like to phrase your most important KPI is if you could only pick one thing to track inside mm -hmm. the business, Tony, what would it be? It'd be growth. Okay. And, and, and it's very that? simple why. You're either growing or you're dying. There's no middle ground. That's right. Okay. And if you're growing, that creates a whole nother set of problems and challenges, right? That's and right. then you have to manage that. And those are all things that you can manage, but you don't need to necessarily measure them. But you need to look at growth. And when you look at how you measure growth, okay. Well, how much of it is retention, right? I'm just keeping them. Okay. How much is it expansion? I'm expanding the services that I'm providing to that client. So like that example of the oral clean, right? Where I started doing their printing and I started helping them with their labeling and helping figure out how to do the packaging and right. all this other stuff. That was expansion of an existing customer, right? Right. And then there's net new. And that new is somebody that I haven't done business with for at least three years. They may have been a previous customer, but, but I've only been with the organization two years. They haven't been my customer, right? right? So somebody who's net new, I want to look at that growth, okay? So I want to look at how much of my business is retention, how much of my business is expansion, and how much is net growth, yep. right? Net new. Yep. And I, I'm, and... The higher your net new, as long as you keep the other ones flat or rising, that's how you're going to overachieve. And that's how you're going to propel at light speed. Yeah, so true. He just broke down in simple layman's terms how to go freaking win when it comes to with growth. Because you're right. Those three, those three components are in every single business. Some, some way heavier than others in certain industries or businesses, but the model is still the same. You got to go get new, but you can't just forget the ones you got. <laughs> mm -hmm. Got to still serve and take good care of people. What book would you recommend? Or maybe it's a, a resource of sorts for someone who wants to grow just like you just described. I don't know about, about growth, but this book, Leadership and Self-Deception, Getting Out of the Box. Okay. Right there. 
And that's by the Arbinger Institute. Okay. Just solidified that the things that I had learned in school. Yeah. That I was applying here took other examples of other leaders, how they had done some similar things. Yeah. And it just validated that I was making good decisions. It's awesome. Great. We'll put that in the, in the show notes as well for the, for the folks to grab. What do you think about intentionally networking or even masterminding with other entrepreneurs? Well, when I think about my career overall, I think maybe when I was 14, 15, and you know, I had my first job, I applied to a, you know, a help wanted ad. Yeah. But every other job that I've had since then has been a network connection. That's right. Every job. And so if uh, it's the same thing as growth in the business, well, it's growth of your network and you're either growing or you're dying. It's the same thing that way also is, is my belief. And so you, you hit it on the head when you said you never know what could happen. You never know who could develop. You never know how you can make one connection who knows somebody else and that connection turns out to be your biggest customer. That's right. Right. You just never know. And so treat every network opportunity as if it's your only one. That's good. And nurture it and see where it comes. Yeah. I love that perspective. I think that there's there's a lot of just intentionality that you just gave <clears throat> into building relationships, which is kind of what we've already talked about, you know, 15 minutes or so ago. But when you intentionally nurture, as you say, that's how relationships are built. And that's how deals are done over the course of time. I just so appreciate that. From a family perspective, you know, Gathering the Kings is made up of a bunch of high-performing entrepreneurs, you know, business owners, presidents like you. I mean, the whole deal, right? And so oftentimes what I found, even in my own life is true, that we are obsessed and we're, we're after this growth thing, right? But what I've also been obsessed with is growth in my family or in my marriage. And we've like, we teeter on this, like, how do I balance it all? And I'm a firm believer that there is no such thing that we have to go after them equally, or as with much passion as the business, I go after my marriage and I go after my family, my kids and stuff like that. And so my question to you is over the years, how have you done that? How have you kept the passion or the obsession with your marriage, with your family as high as your career or as your business? Well, I would be lying if I told you I was as successful as, at that in, in, in my personal life as I am in my business. And I know that it's an area of opportunity, but I will tell you that you are 100% right, that if you don't keep it a focus, it'll just turn into a failure. Okay. So for me, number one, I block off time on my calendar. I block off a couple days a month where... I say, okay, honey, on this Wednesday and on this Friday of this week, we're meeting for lunch. Where would you like to go? You tell me the time, you know, I booked off two hours or whatever, and I want to take you on a date. Yeah. You know, that's just, it's, it's two days a month. It's not that much, right? But we also looked at our, our mutual interests and our life experiences and our desires and we achieved a goal that's really helped us as a family we've always loved the outdoors so 
my wife you know was raised camping i was raised camping my wife right grew up riding a, a dirt bike off road you know nice it, it, at 16 years old she had a bull taco and you know <laughs> she you know yamaha 250 and could could you know ride so she was an outdoorsy person and i i loved the outdoors so it was something that we had in common a connection that we had in common so eventually we got a fifth wheel trailer and we started being able to use that for camping and for vacations and things like this but we had always aspired to be able to have like a vacation home, a cabin. Yeah. And in 2014, we realized that goal. Wow. And there was a, you know, the crash in the market, 2009, 2010. Well, in Arizona and in the mountains, it took longer to go through. So about 14 was the bottom of the market. Mm. And, you know, I made an incredible decision and we bought a place that needed work. I'm a handy guy and I did 80% of the work myself. And now we have, you know, a three bedroom, two bath cabin on a third of an acre. That's two and a half hours away. That's 25 degrees cooler than Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. And so during the summer, we spend almost every available Friday, Saturday, Sunday there to get out of the heat. Yeah. And it's, it's become our oasis. And I will tell you, that the best decision we made was we said, we are not going to get satellite TV. It's going to force us to play games, to play That's cards, right. to sit yep. around as a family and agree on what DVD we're going to watch. Right. Right. And, and so that was a really strategic decision that has helped us achieve balance. Yeah. I love that. Several really, really practical decisions in there. Thank you for sharing that. I think that there's probably a lot of families out there that wouldn't mind having an, a cabin oasis where there's no satellite TV. I think that that would be incredible. Nowadays, you know, you might have to check your check your phone in a, a, with a box, you know, when you first walk in, but mm -hmm. the, the same principles apply for sure. I've got one last question here for you. Tony, I want to know if you had a chance to whisper in the younger Tony's ear, what would you say? Great question. I think I would tell him younger Tony, don't ever stop giving it your all because you do all the time. Don't listen to other people who tell you no, right? But try to, try to maintain a healthy balance. And if I could have taught myself earlier, then I think it, I would be in a better place now. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. What would you say to the listener right now who's building a business, building their family even, and it didn't have to be around this, you know, balance for around the family stuff, but just the young, the young after it, you know, they've got another 20 or 40 years to, to build, to build their life. What's the one thing that you'd leave them with? You can have the best family. You can have the best business. You can have the best plans, but if God's not first in that, you're going to fail. It's going to be tough to, it's going to be tough. That's for sure. I think that there's a, there, I, I don't know if this was on the recording or not, but if it wasn't <clears throat> for the listener's sake, I'll say it again. At the beginning, we talked about this exact thing, right? And I said, you know, it's tough. It's tough to, to catch the wind if you don't for, you know, yourself put up the sail, but man, when that wind hits, it's like, you know, you, you, you just, you just ride it. 
And I think that that's really what you're sharing with us, not only from a business perspective, but, but life. I think that there's, there's a blessing that comes when you put up the sale and you, and you're, like you said, we've got the plans, that's the sale. But when you've got that extra layer, there's a big, big difference. Tony, I want to know how can the listener find you? So maybe, maybe they're, they're in need of some sort of a packaging or printing solution, and they need to reach out to your team to solve that problem for them. Or maybe they just want to pick your brain as an entrepreneur. How can they find you? Well, there's lots of different ways. First of all, I don't think I went through all the different services that we provide. And I really want to make sure. Yeah. So if you're that entrepreneur and you're starting off and, and you want your garage back and your wife wants the living room back, but you're not at a point in time where you can have your own facility, yeah. you need to give me a call and I'll help you make the next move outsourcing before you get to your facility, number one. Yeah. Number two, if you've got projects that you just don't have the manpower for, you don't have the bandwidth for, you don't have the storage space. I've got 65,000 square feet here. I'm not a small organization. I've got 47 employees. We just did um, Facebook's Christmas presents for wow. all of their employees. We, you know, we just, we, we handle Carvana's, all their new hire kits. And even though Carvana might be in turmoil right now, for the last five years as they've been growing, we've been doing those kind of things. Right. So, and, and even if we're not the right solution, I may know somebody or someone that can help you that yeah, might yeah. be that right solution. So the networking is really, really key in this whole thing. What I would tell you to do is, first of all, our website is www.epihab.org, E-P-I-H-A-B, like boy, .org. And on there, you can see my bio, you can see the services we have. There's a contact or learn more button there. Also, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, and all you got to do is just do a search or, you know, at Twitter, you're going to go at Epihab Phoenix. You know, and you'll find us one way or yep, another. Yep. Yep. And what I can do is I can make sure that for that Chaz has my direct information. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, look, I'll take anybody's email. I get three to 400 emails a day and I have to go through them, which is part of that balance thing. But I've got pretty good at being able to say, this is not me, not me, not me, not me. Oh, this one needs some attention. So, so that email address is Tony B, T-O-N-Y, B like boy, Tony B at epihab.org. So awesome. start there. And yeah. we'll, we'll, I'm looking forward to talking to many different people and helping them. They may not have, quote, problems. They may, just may be, hey, look, I have this idea. Have yeah, you ever yeah. seen this before, right? I, I've taken 15 to 20 companies that were startups and helped them be 5 million, 10 million, $15 million companies, whether it was in my previous business or here. And so that experience is, is invaluable. And that's why I'm really excited about potentially being part of the King's organization and being an asset to be able to help and serve other people. Yeah, Tony, we just really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. We'll put all that in the show notes as well, as long as your email and all of your socials and stuff like that. So well, you've been incredible. And, and the value dropped here today is probably unmeasurable, actually. But your decades of experience and just your passion uh, for what you're doing is pretty cool. I really appreciate you being here. Blessings upon all those 47 folks, as well as your family, as well as your uh, all the things that you're putting your hand to in 23. 
thank you for being here. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time and I look forward to hearing from whoever wants to reach out. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.